You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started today, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, the Vikings are on a bye this week. So this week on the show, we've got Elliot Knopp. He's here from, uh, writes for us here at the Viking Age. He's been on the show before. He's going to help us kind of kind of review what's been going on the season so far, and maybe kind of try and look ahead to what could happen later on the season. So welcome back to the show, Elliot. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's nice to be able to talk and unwind after a couple of weeks of just stress and just stress. It's just been stress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a win by seven points would be nice. You know, uh, We don't need to go down to the last possession in every single game, but apparently the Vikings... Feel differently. All right. Compared to, let's say, right before their first game in week one against, oh, that was so long ago, against the Bengals. How do you feel about the Vikings now after their first six games and their chances for success this season compared to how you felt before? A lot of longtime Vikings fans are going to be, they're going to have mixed emotions on the way I feel about the Vikings right mm-hmm. now, but I am very optimistic with the way that things are looking right okay. now. Obviously with week one, it was just a total disaster. There was no preparation. They had committed 13 penalties. I think it was in like the yeah. first half on the, on just holding and unnecessary calls. And now we're looking at a team where the offensive line looks stout. Dara saws in there and he's looking like he could be like, he very well should be the franchise left tackle. Mm-hmm. KJ Osborne, like there's just so many things that are starting to fall into place that once these fluke plays and once these simple mistakes stop happening, this team is going to be gunning against the best of them for the rest of the year. I am a little surprised with that. You can add me to that list of people who are surprised with your thoughts. No, I, I, I think they're okay right now. I don't think they know who, I don't think they know who they are. I don't, because every week it seems like they come out with a different 
plan of, you know, oh, we're going to be this run team, and then the, the next week it's, oh, we're going to do you know, like four wide, three wide all game and be a passing team. And maybe that's because they're trying to do, you know, opponent-specific game plans, and that could be the case too, which is somewhat of a change that we've seen compared to what we've seen in the past. But I just – and the defense is getting – I feel like it's it's starting to get it on its on its feet. I feel like in the earlier in the year there, there was a lot of new guys – Anthony Barr wasn't out there, and they were just like running with a bunch of you know chickens with their heads cut off. Uh, Breland seems to be uh, playing much better than what he did earlier this season. I don't know what that was, um, but now Peterson's out for the next at least three games, and so you got to be like, okay, can Dancer step up and and fill in his role? How are they going to make up for the loss of Peterson? So I'm still, I'm still, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I still feel like they can make the playoffs. This this next stretch of games is very tough going against the Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, and Packers. That's a tough stretch for any team in the league. And with the Vikings, I feel like if they can come out 2-2 two and two in that, then I'm going to feel pretty good about their chances to get in the playoffs this year. All right, so what have you enjoyed the most about the Viking season so far? I'm really enjoying how things are finally starting to fall into place here. As you had mentioned, the defense was just in shambles. It was Bashad Breland out there on a weekly basis, <laughs> looking like he couldn't just cover anybody, especially mm-hmm. with like Jamar Chase running just straight, just mm-hmm. straight to the end zone and mm-hmm. just not even close to him. There were just so many things that were just, no, I understand exactly why people were so frustrated and they're like calling for the coach's head in week two and (laughs) it was crazy but we're starting to see this team really come together on the defensive side of the ball Mm -hmm. and as you had mentioned earlier with this tough stretch of games coming up here the offense is going to have to step it up because they've been getting away with games where the lions where they're just controlling the clock killing it pacing the game and then so I'm really liking the way things are starting to fall together. Thielen looks like he's back on track. KJ Osborne's mm-hmm. there on almost every facet of the well, oh, okay, not almost every. When it comes to the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, they have they have made improvements, significant improvements. Special teams just still needs the work. <laughs> oh, what about special teams? Could it be the kicker? Um, it could be the kicker, the blocking, yes, yes, the anything, everything yes. on that side of the ball was just horrendous. Oh. All right, well, well, sticking with that train of thought, what has been, you know, what have you enjoyed the least about the Vikings this season? You know, it is a conservative approach that is concerning me a lot. Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer had mentioned after the Detroit win, he's like, I don't think we were play calling conservative. And then when you rewatch <laughs> the game. You know that he's playing conservative. He's running the clock. Madison got like, what, 30 touches almost that game. And that's fine. Yeah, and that's fine. But are you going out there to make a statement win? No, you're just trying to burn the clock out and get out there as soon as possible with Mm -hmm. your win, Mm -hmm. which, you know, while that's fine and dandy, when a mistake does happen, let's say a Madison fumble or a field goal being short from 49 yards out, you don't give yourself that space to breathe. You, no. You're playing a very close game there. So it's like, I would like to see them be more aggressive and show initiative and look like a powerhouse team that everyone knows this team can be capable of when they get things done correctly. Yeah, they definitely have to be more aggressive. I think we've seen that at times this year. I feel like in the Cardinals game, 
They were pretty aggressive. Um, I believe they were up like 20 to 7 or something at, at one point. Obviously, the Cardinals came back. Um, and then, you know, against the Seahawks, they were very aggressive. Against the Panthers, pr- pretty aggressive. So it seems like, yeah, like when they face these teams where they know that their their opponent is good and can beat them, then they, they are up to the task and play aggressively. But, yeah, when they face, you know, uh, I don't know why they played the way they did against the Browns because that was sort of a similar game plan that they had against the Lions. And then the, the next week, the Browns give up like 42 points. So it's like, you know, what what's going on? Well, actually, Rashad Hill was out there and blocking, so that kind of had a lot to do with it. Um, but still, they only scored seven. I think they scored their a touchdown their opening drive against the Browns and they didn't score for the rest of the game. But yeah, they got to be more aggressive. I think I look back at last year of the Vikings coming out of the bye and how well they played. Uh, doing that and how different they played and I feel confident about them making adjustments this year because I think their first game out of the bye was that road game against uh, the Packers and they you know the Packers were rolling and the Vikings only had one win and the Vikings go into Lambeau and and beat the Packers um so I, I feel I feel confident with their ability to adjust um is there anything or anyone from the Vikings that has been a pleasant surprise for you this season you know, a lot of people are going to say KJ Osborne, yep. and I totally agree. I am such a fan of that guy and yep. what he brings to this offense and how he can he can make it so that the Vikings just do so much more than what they're doing right now, and he's proven that. But I also really love the way Christian Derrissaw has stepped up and become, so far for the one game that we've seen, the guy that they need him to be because you're God. watching Rashad Hill fall on his rear end <laughs> so many times throughout the game. He's mm-hmm. just getting pushed over. Whereas Derisaw, he's, he's standing tall. He looks good. And I would love to see what he looks like against some of the premier pass rushers in this league. Cause he looked good against uh, the Carolina guys there. Yeah. I think I've been, you know, some people might've expected this to happen, but I've been pleasantly surprised with, the Vikings pass rush. I think they lead the league in sacks right now. Um, and, you know, as good as Daniel Hunter was before his injury, there were still a lot of questions about him when he returned. You know, can he be the same player? Uh, yeah, he can He can be the same player. He's He might actually be better than what he was before, and that's very scary. And then you, got, you bring Everson Griffin back, and he looks like the same guy he was before he left. Um, and that's a huge boost for the Vikings, their pass rush. Has, has been a big part of their defense getting back on track. So I've been pleasantly surprised with that. I've been pleasantly surprised with the play of Patrick Peterson. Um, I think a lot of people had questions about him too because his last two seasons haven't been too great. Um, but this year he's I've, he's gone back to being, you know, at least Pro Bowl level cornerback. Uh, and then, of course, he gets hurt. So we'll have to see how he is when he gets back. But yeah, and KJ Osborne, obviously, I think Alexander Madison, you can maybe throw in there too, because he's filled in nicely uh, with Dalvin Cook out. Some people are now like, you know, let's trade Dalvin Cook because Alexander Madison, he can he can do the job. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> who are some on the flip side? Who are some of the players that have disappointed you the most this season? Maybe you had higher expectations for them, and they haven't lived up to those. Yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, they're terrible, but like, you know, who hasn't done as well as you thought they would? Mm, 
man, it, it's so easy to point to Rashad Hill just off the hop. Yeah. And you never really had expect like high expectations for him anyway. Yeah. But just the fact that he goes out there and it just it's not working. It's clearly that he's not an answer long he's a backup. term or short term. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's tough. It, it is honestly tough to watch him play on sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. So I have to go with him because when the opportunity has presented itself for him to step up, he, there's just no indication that he's ready by any means. And it's, it's, it suffers. The, the entire team suffers because of it. Oh, for sure. I got a couple. I got Rashad Breland. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a lot better. He's getting better, so maybe he's getting back to the way you know, he was supposed to be. But that, that, he had an awful start to the season. Um, the run defense. They got these two massive defensive tackles. And it doesn't seem like they can. It, it's helped at all stopping the run. Anthony Barr's back, so that maybe that that will help um, get some guys where they're supposed to be. And then I've got an offensive lineman, Garrett Bradbury. Um, seems like it's not going to happen. Like we we keep thinking, oh, this is going to be the year. He's gonna he's gonna step up, live up to his first round expectations. You know, it's the guards around him. And he's got, he's got two pretty decent guards around him, I feel like, better than maybe he's had in the past. Ezra Cleveland, I think, is pretty solid. And, uh, you know, Ali Udo, I feel like he's he's had his disappointing moments, but he's also been better than a bunch of right guards they've had there in the past. But each week, it's like Garrett Bradbury getting, you know, pushed back into Kirk Cousins. Garrett Bradbury, you know, you know getting a, a penalty in an in a untimely, you know, in a, in a bad spot. You know, he's got matchups coming up with Kenny Clark, Linval Joseph, you know, a bunch of defensive tackles that are going to be able to take advantage of him. And then, you know, I look to after the season, he's got one year left on his deal. Um, and I don't know if it would be a good idea for the Vikings to bring him back. You know, maybe see if you can send him somewhere else and get someone else. But he's just not not cutting it. And recently, their first round picks, is not uh, aside from Justin Jefferson, the Vikings haven't done too well. In terms of first round picks, you got Garrett Bradbury, Mike Hughes, Colin Treadwell, Trey Wayne's is gone. Um, you go even go all the way back to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so other other rounds though, you know, second round, third round, fourth round, they do pretty well. Seventh round when they have ninety picks, they they hit on a few too. Um yeah, their right. late round value is just absolutely stunning. Just the fact yeah. that they were able to land Diggs in the fifth round and then a couple years later do it again with KJ Osborne. And yep. it's just like I really love that the way they're drafting deep because Daniil Hunter was a late round pick. Yep. It's 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 insane how they find they know where the good players are and they end up getting them later in the draft. However, it's those early round ones. You gotta hit those too, yeah. Swings and misses. You yeah. gotta hit those. Those are the ones that are supposed to change the franchise. You're yeah. paying them the most. So yeah. it yeah, is bro. disappointing to see someone with that much invested into them disappoint at the level that they've been disappointing at. Yeah, you got Brian O'Neill, Dalvin Cook, and Irv Smith all in the second round too. So like why why can't you do that in the first round? It's like I wonder if like there's something going on in the first round where maybe there's too many cooks in the kitchen maybe like the ownership has an input or something like that I, I i don't know exactly what happens in the first round but it seems like that's the round where they don't get anything right but it should be all right so sticking to this team what do you think of the job so far that clint kubiak has done with the offense man i have to say it's a little bit of a mixture of you here because it's 
it's crazy that they're playing down to the competition sometimes, whereas you don't see that happen with the Chiefs or mm. the Bills or any of these really like powerhouse teams. They don't want to take their foot off the gas because they understand that they have to go out there and put it out like they have to put it on the line every single week. Yeah. Whereas with the Vikings, they're like, we have Dalvin Cook, we have our wide receivers and our line's doing fine. Kirk Cousins is doing absolutely amazing. So we can just run the clock out, play a safe game, just hold the lead, and then walk out with a win. And that's obviously, like I mentioned before, causing them more problems than it is actually helping them to just escape injury-free. And it, it's thank goodness they're escaping injury-free. Yeah. But yeah, they need to start putting points on the board. That's going to help out a lot. They already have the second best, if not the best, points four in the nfc north yeah oh yeah with like with green bay and they also have the most points against so if you're getting into all these close contests you need to start going out there and getting all those points that you can super important for them right now it was scoring in the second half uh helps and luckily they snapped that streak uh last week i don't think they had a touchdown in the second half until last week before week one or whatever they didn't have any second half touchdowns in those games in between they snapped that last week so hopefully that can continue because uh, that's not going to work uh, for the rest of the year uh but uh yeah I'm, i still need to, i feel like i still need to see more from clint kubiak i like how the offense is is pretty similar to how it's been in the past um not a lot of but there's some different things mixed in there with with motions and and i feel like there's more three wide and that probably has something to do with irv smith not being in there and then i i was listening to something before and they're talking about Darisaw and how him actually playing well can allow them to have more three wide, four wide sets because they don't have to have two tight ends on the field to help block, you know, for those those left the left tackle or the right tackle. They can have more, you know, skill position guys out there. So I'm I'm curious to see, you know, Mike Zimmer had this thing where he wanted his coaches to self scout uh, a week ago. Um, and I'm curious to see, you know, how things are maybe different coming out of the bye because they definitely were different last year coming out of the bye and i'm curious to see if the same thing happens speaking of mike zimmer right now is he the right head coach for the vikings this season is going to be the answer for that 100 percent. because for a guy who he's consistently fighting for a playoff spot is what i've noticed is that it's always either we're in or we're one or two games out. We're in or we're one or two games out. And you can't really get mad with that. No. But the philosophy and the things that we're seeing, are some of them are frustrating. Whereas like last year, for example, we had Ola B.C. Johnson as our wide receiver too for the first two games mm-hmm, of the year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I <laughs> did not understand at all. It led mm-hmm. to me dropping Justin Jefferson in fantasy because I was like, okay, maybe Jefferson's not as good as I thought he was because yeah. he's supposed to be the day one guy. And he's mm-hmm. supposed to be the future. And it was Ola B.C. Johnson, and it just made no sense to me. And then as soon as he steps on the field, instant impact. Mm-hmm. So it's seeing things like that. and Did the same this- thing with Diggs in his rookie year too. For sure. And it's this obsession with establishing the run where mm-hmm. everyone in the league knows our run game is fine. It's mm-hmm. getting Kirk Cousins out there and putting up numbers on that board. We have the weapons. Why aren't we using them more? Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins doesn't need to go out and attempt 45 passes a game, no. but we also don't need to run the ball 30 times a game too. So it's it's finding a way to you know 
utilize the tight end a little bit more utilize KJ Osborne. Now that we have him, it's, it's finding a way to balance this offense a little bit more than we're going to run it on second and long. We, we need to establish the run. We know the run works change, like start getting downfield faster and make these explosive plays happen. Yeah. I don't, know if anyone really truly knows how much input Mike Zimmer has on the offense. He says he never like pays attention to it, but that's not true. We know that that he has some influence. But how much influence do you think he should have? Should he just let Kubiak do his thing or, you know, be like, "Hey, you know, I think you're passing too much. Let's let's run the ball a little bit more." Cuz it feels like, yeah, you look at the Browns game and the Lions game, Mike Zimmer might have been in Clint Kubiak's ear a little bit more than he was in the first couple games. Um, so do you think he should maybe let Kubiak be a little more on his own or just keep the way things are? And that, honestly, that answer really hinges on just how much he has truly yeah. been involved up to this point because yeah. we saw over with Chicago how Matt Nagy surrendered play calling and the yeah. Bears offense actually came together and did something. Yeah. So it's depending on how much Zimmer has an input right now. If it's if he's not doing enough and he feels more passes need to happen, to get, then start doing that. If he's the one saying we need to run the ball this much, maybe you know let the creative mind of Clint Kubiak do some work there. All right. Based on what we know so far, I know it's only been six games, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think Mike Zimmer is still the head coach in 2022? <sighs> Seeing as how it is three and three right now, that would finish to either a 10 and nine and eight, or eight nine and eight or an eight and nine record. or eight, eight and one, eight, eight and one Oof, <laughs> we're even better. So <laughs> on pace with that, I mean, if you're going to go back to back mediocre seasons, that's just not, that's simply not enough. However, with the uncertainty going on with Aaron Rodgers, they might give him one more year. Yeah. They might give him one more year, yeah. especially if Aaron Rodgers isn't back and say, hey, listen, you either claim the North this year or you're gone. That's so, fair. I, I think I they think might I'm... give him one more year depending on the Rodgers situation. I don't think too many people have brought that up that, yeah, like he's probably not going to be on the Packers next year. I mean, he, with how everything else goes, he probably will actually be on the Packers because just that's how things are. Um, but yeah, if he's if he's actually gone on the Packers, I think that yeah that that is a big factor in, in giving Zimmer another chance. You know, considering if things you know don't go terribly for the rest of the year, I think if it's a disaster, then you know you got to think about stuff. But he is also in the first year of his three year extension, and all of his money is guaranteed. So I'm not so sure. I know the Wolves have a lot of money. But I'm not so sure if they want to pay two coaches for the next two years um, and maybe even two brand new coaching staffs um, because they got that too. Uh, Right now, I would say, I'll say yes. I think he's a coach next year. Especially if, uh, because the one thing I was thinking right now is that like, let's say Aaron Rodgers does come back, right? That comes with a thing saying that Devontae Adams signs an extension as well. But yep. does Devontae Adams sign an extension knowing that Rodgers might only be there for another year or two and then have to play with a risky quarterback situation over reuniting with Derek Carr in Las Vegas? Right. I don't see why Devontae Adams would want to re-sign with for one more year of Aaron Rodgers and then be stuck in a deal that he doesn't like. Yeah, a lot of guys next year are going to sign. You're going to see a lot more multi-year contracts because this year the cap went down and everyone knows the cap's going up next year. So they're going to... Contracts are going to get back to normal probably next year. I think it's supposed to go up twenty to thirty million. 
So guys are going to be signing those multi-year deals again. Maybe not. You know, maybe some of these guys that sign one-year deals are like, you know, I, I kind of like this. You know, I'm playing on a one-year deal, gambling on myself. Um, most of them probably don't actually because they like the security. Um, that's all I got for you today, Elliot. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, so my ha- my username is just the same as my real name. It's at Elliot Knopp. And it's two L's, two T's, and two P's. All right, go follow him. Go check out his stuff on the Viking Age. Subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, we will talk to you later. Later.